does it mean to make mistakes and errors in classroom management or school-wide discipline and why you shouldn't walk on eggshells? It is easy with all that is out there about political correctness to walk around feeling like you have to walk on eggshells with students and with colleagues in the workplace. While it is important to be aware of all the rules and policies that keep you off the bench, it is important also not to get frozen. These days, there are so many traps and pitfalls you can fall into as a teacher that it is important just to think about integrity. If we treat our students with integrity and we treat our colleagues with respect, and learn to do something called zipping the lip, things work out better. As I mentioned in a previous podcast, sometimes things are better met with silence. Sometimes our colleagues overshare or they want to get us involved in some gossip or criticism or they want us to agree with everything they say. It helps to stay out of political turmoil by not telling too much or too little to your colleagues. Keeping conversations professional sounds like a great goal, but there's a lot of emotions that run rampant within a school community. Sometimes we vent to colleagues. We are imperfect. If we formulate positive relationships with everyone, that's a good start. But not everybody can be trusted. When it comes to teaching our students and reaching our students in the classroom, we have to use discretion. But we don't have to stop setting parameters and boundaries in the classroom. No matter which approach you decide to use in the classroom, whether it's restorative, traditional, positive discipline, or a combination of many, as long as we're reflective, things will work out well. After each day in the classroom, instead of going home and watching The Real Housewives or numbing out with a game, take five minutes to think to yourself of all the things that went well in the classroom. Think of how you built up positive systems or you may have forgotten to build up any system or implement the system that you already have. Maybe it was that kind of day. Whatever it was, start to strategize how you can improve the classroom environment little by little. Now, If you had an issue or a problem with a student who is difficult, try to think about one or two problems that you handled well. Then getting back to handling those students who are giving you trouble, think about ways that you can respond differently to those students and not fuel the fire or escalate an already bad situation. Also, think about whether the student has a need to hear 
word after word after word that you have to say. Sometimes students need to see what you're talking about. They need modeling or they need you to use body language to tell them that something is off. Or they need to hear something from the voice of another student, reminding them nicely, hopefully, that their behavior is disturbing the class. You do not need to be the only voice in the room. What happens if you do say something and you speak with forked tongue, or you say something sarcastic or a little off color to a student? Don't start getting paranoid that your job is in jeopardy. Unless you said something that was really demeaning or hurtful or unkind, you can make amends. If you said something that was really off color, think about it and hope that you won't do it again. We all make mistakes. Sometimes students drive us to the point of no return. What's important is to think about the language you want to use with students. The less personal, the better. This goes for general classroom management. For example, if there are a lot of students out of their seats when they're supposed to be in their seat, a routine should be in place to get them into their seats. When I count to three, I expect all students to be in their seats. Some teachers still use individual name calling for big crowd control. I remember a situation where I was walking down the hall as a dean and I called a student's name because I knew them and the student said, Miss, don't call my name. And I thought, I don't understand that policy and practice of the student. Why don't they want their name called? I thought it was polite to call a student by name. Well, in fact, it depends on the situation. It depends on the student. In that case, clearly the student was embarrassed. They didn't want the dean calling their name in the hallway. The same is true in some situations in the classroom. Some students do not want to hear their name called over and over again. A simple signal or body language can work just as well. Again, what happens if you make a mistake? and a student is set off or irritated by something you've said, your tone of voice, your look, your demeanor, or maybe they're just set off by your presence. The thing is, it is excellent to be a reflective teacher. Sometimes we can let the students know what we're thinking and we can be transparent. Again, not too much of that. For example, Saying, I feel disappointed that nobody turns in their homework is a lot less of an attack than saying, Sam, you never turn in your homework. You're always going to be like that. Now, this example may seem silly, but I've seen it done over and over again when the administrators aren't watching. And we think sometimes that this is effective. But most of the time, 9 out of 10 those techniques only irritate a student. Sometimes they do work because some students do respond to tough love, but these days you have to be careful. Students are litigious, parents are litigious. In some cases, they're looking to sue the school for non-education and so on and so on. 
and there are endless permutations and combinations of ways that teachers can get themselves into trouble. So instead of getting yourself into trouble, think of ways where you can build up students but get your message across. For example, if a student makes a wisecrack about you or your teaching, you can just simply ask them, what would you like to see happen in the classroom? Now, if this person is persistent with these behaviors, they might be covering up the urge to do their work. They might not want to do their work. So they're covering it up by the, uh, you know, putting the focus on you instead of them. So that's a technique. And a good technique is to say, I get your point and let's move on and let's do the work. It's hard not to take things personally, but sometimes we simply have to see the behavior as a way to avoid the classwork or a way to get power. Again, these are good ideas that I've taken from the various books that I've read, such as the classic Rudolf Dreikers, The Four Mistaken Goals. When students are not getting their uh, way and they, they do not want to engage in the work or find the work too hard, sometimes they'll escape by acting out or calling you out. So don't take this personally. What happens if you make the mistake, again, of uh, engaging in banter with a student? Know that you've just wasted some time and that maybe you escalated the student's temper and next time think about another technique for getting the student off the stage and onto their work. Another uh, reason that students might act out is power. They might get an audience from their, their, their peer group. Their peer group might laugh. Their peer group might think they're cool. Their peer group might do the opposite, in fact, and start shushing them or telling them to stop. Sometimes students are motivated by attention. They just need lots of it. And as a teacher, we just have to think of ways to give them that attention. What happens again if you make a mistake and you say something that indeed gives them the attention that they're seeking and you play right into it? Well, know that you've just wasted a little bit of time in the classroom and move on and try to divert the attention to positive behavior that the student may engage in. Try to give the student some choices for gaining attention. Choices do not always have to involve rewards, by the way. Some students who crave attention might find it easier to get attention by getting a reward, but another way to give them attention is to engage them in something that they feel good about. That's something to think about. What if a student wants to get revenge on you for giving them a bad grade or something, uh, or something that they didn't like, like a consequence? This is another reason that students act out. What happens if we get into an argument, a back and forth? Well, you really deserve that grade. This is the grade that you deserve. You earned it, buddy. Again, know that you have just spent time talking to a student in front of other students, and next time you can reflect on maybe doing it a different way. Well, buddy, we can talk about this in a little while. I'll come over to your desk and we'll go over my grade book and find out why you got this grade. We'll talk about it together. 
So that's another way to handle that. I'm thinking that all in all, making a mistake in the classroom and classroom management is part of the process of learning. Students do not come with individualized instructions. I learned this as a parent. Parenting doesn't come with instructions and relating to students also doesn't come with instructions. There are good ideas out there and good techniques for not putting yourself on the spot, not wasting time, and not, in general, getting yourself in trouble. But there are less techniques out there for successfully creating rapport and relationship with students, getting them on your side, and most of all, getting them to work. Part of the equation is personality, understanding psychology and motivational techniques that you get more uh, flies with honey than with vinegar. Anyway, who wants flies? But you get people to move better when you praise them, when you are on their side, when you encourage them. Part of that is psychology 101. But also part of it is building into your routines some ways to get to students that are, uh, do not show the stress in your voice and do not stress you because when students see that you're stressed, some students are compassionate, but some students, they enjoy it and they want to do more of that. They want to get you on the spot more. So think about ways that you can forgive yourself day after day, and forgive your students. Forgiveness is a great big part of the process. Every single day is a new and fresh day in the classroom. I'll leave you with this thought. When I used to have big confrontations with students as a new teacher, I would feel awful. I would go home, mull it over coffee, write in my journal, think about it incessantly, and wonder what I should do the next day. The next day, when I came into the classroom, the same student who pushed my buttons and rang my bells and got me thinking and obsessing all night said to me, Hi, miss. Hey, how you doing? And they gave me a big smile. Most students are looking to their teacher for attention and affection whether they want to show it or not. So pretty much this is a learn-as-you-go experience and forgive yourself for any mistakes that you have made in classroom management. This is a learning process. Elizabeth Clyde.